From APM, American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Our guest this week has a message for high school seniors and their parents who are poring over the latest college rankings. Put the rankings down. Alexander McCormick is a professor of education at Indiana University and the director of the National Survey of Student Engagement, or NESI. He says going to a high-ranking school will not guarantee a high-quality educational experience. In fact, he says there's almost no correlation between the ranking of a school and the factors that go into a good college education. McCormick says his survey highlights the genuinely important clues to look for in choosing a college. Alexander McCormick, welcome. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start off by talking about the National Survey of Student Engagement. What is it? Uh, Well, the National Survey of Student Engagement is uh, a survey that's administered to first-year students and seniors at colleges and universities around the country. Uh, Last year, we had a little over 700 four-year institutions participate in the survey, and we invited more than 2 million students to fill out the survey. Um, We ask first-year students and seniors about a whole variety of experiences and behaviors. Uh, So one thing that distinguishes the survey is it's very much about behavior and not about attitudes and beliefs. So we're really trying to change this conversation about college quality away from things like reputation and resources and average SAT scores, all kinds of measures about input uh, and wealth of an institution, to the things that really matter for student learning. So if you're surveying student engagement, what is engagement? We use engagement kind of as that shorthand for activities and, and experiences and behaviors related to student learning. So we ask students things like, How often do you participate in course discussions or ask questions? How often do you meet with faculty members outside of class? How often do you collaborate with peers on an assignment? Uh, How often do you work through course material uh, with other students in preparing for exams? These These are examples of things that we have a couple decades of research to show that uh, students who do these things more manifest better outcomes. So engagement means that they are just more involved in their learning? Uh, well, involved in the right things. So, so yes, absolutely more involved in their learning, but uh, involved in the right things. So we also have a set of questions that ask about the kinds of cognitive tasks that uh, students are called upon to a- exercise in their courses. So there we're trying to get at, you know, how much do your courses emphasize memorization, versus more sophisticated and deeper levels of uh, connection with uh, the course material. Uh, and there's lots of evidence to show that students who do more of that, uh, that, that's learning that lasts. Those are the kinds of things that actually stay versus memorizing facts just to regurgitate them on a test uh, and get a good grade. If a school's ranking in these uh, various magazine and other kinds of rankings, if, if that's not really a correlated with in student engagement, what is? Uh, well, there's kind of good news and bad news there. Um, and, and actually, as far as I'm concerned, it's good news, but it does mean that it's, the, the bad news side is it, nothing that I say is going to simplify the college choice decision. Um, there's no sort of silver bullet in terms of institutional characteristics um, that says, if I go to one of these schools or if I go to this school, I'm going to do better. And let's think about the rankings for just a moment. Um, You know, there's these numerical rankings of institutions, and it's really easy to be 
tempted to believe that a student who goes to a school that's ranked, say, number 35, is going to have a qualitatively better undergraduate experience than she would have had if she went to number 36 or number 38 or number 40. But all of our evidence shows that the quality of the experience is highly variable within all of these institutions. Um, so what really matters, and we encourage prospective college students to do this, is to find out about the kinds of experiences that student have, students have on those campuses, but also to learn what's involved in being an effective student, to not be passive in their student role, but actually to find ways to be active learners. Um, and this isn't something that students are born with, and it certainly isn't something that students bring with them to college especially as, we're, as colleges are serving more students from more diverse backgrounds uh, than the college-going population used to look like. If access to the faculty, among other things, would be uh, an indicator of engagement, uh, does it follow that students who go to smaller schools are more engaged than students who go to big schools? Well, you would think so. And sort of in the aggregate, sort of on average, there is a very slight inverse relationship with size. So if you were to sort of graph a line, um, you would see that, for example, student-faculty interaction on average is a little bit lower at larger institutions. But there are countless exceptions. Uh, and if you actually go school by school uh, with them sorted from smallest to largest and look at the average level of interaction with faculty, uh, what you end up with is a graph that looks like a seismograph that bounces up and down and up and down. So there are examples of small schools that do well, to be sure, but also smaller schools where the level of interaction with faculty is nowhere near what you would expect for a fairly small and intimate educational environment. And similarly, there are larger institutions that do way better than you might imagine or that you might expect just operating from the knowledge that, you know, this is a big school. One of the critiques of these, many of these rankings is that they measure inputs to a school, meaning how much a school costs, how much a school spends on per student, how uh, the average scores of students getting in, et cetera, but not nearly weighted as much in terms of outputs, like how well students actually learn, how many graduate, what, they, what their grades are when they graduate and how well they do once they're out of school. Is that what accounts for this disconnect between the selectivity idea or at least the, the ranking idea and what your survey is finding? Um, absolutely. So if we, let's think a little bit about rankings and about selectivity. Um, the, the rankings that dominate the discourse were mostly engineered in order to reproduce the conventional wisdom. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense and people would be scratching their heads if the rankings would show that, you know, the most selective schools turned out not to be any better or even worse um, than less selective schools. So, so those were basically engineered to reproduce this wisdom, which is all about um, reputation and resources, and that's highly correlated with selectivity. Um, but when we look at institutions by level of selectivity and we look at certain measures of student engagement um, and 
for this recent report that we released, we looked particularly at two sets of measures about experiences with faculty. And the conventional wisdom would basically lead you to think that the result would look like a staircase as you moved up the selectivity ladder, the quality of experience as signified by student-faculty interaction or effective teaching practices would be higher. Um, but what we found was that was not true. It's pretty much a straight line. There is a little bit of an advantage for the very, very most selective institutions for first-year students and effective teaching practices. So it's relatively narrow, but you know, I, I do have to be, be fair and, uh, and thorough in describing what we found. So we did find a modest effect for the very most selective schools, but in a relatively narrow sense. Are your measures of student engagement a good indication of the actual quality of learning that's going on? Because one might assume that uh, a more selective school means a more academically prepared and advanced cohort of students going there. And so that if I'm going to that college, I'm either going to be among people who are as smart as I am or they're going to challenge me to be as smart as they are. One would want to think that. And there are there is some evidence of peer effects. Um, but here again, we have to think about the diversity of the student experience, right? That not all students experience a given institution in the same way. Uh, we find lots of differences, for example, uh, related to what a student's major is. Uh, and a good example here is we've found over the years some big differences in how many hours a week students in different majors devote to studying, preparing for class. Um, so, so there's lots more variability from one student to the next uh, than I think we would want to, than we would be tempted to believe. So sort of we want to believe that students who go to these top schools all have a top quality experience. But there's lots of variability. And when I'm speaking to, to groups of college graduates, I invite them to just think back on their own college experience uh, and to think about their peers. And you know, did, did all of your peers experience the quality of that institution in the same way? Did they embrace the student role in the same degree? Uh, and almost invariably, people will so, sort of realize or acknowledge that, of course, it's highly variable. And even for individuals, the experience can be pretty variable from, from one semester to the next or even from one course to the next. Unlike the magazine college rankings, you don't name specific institutions in your report. Why not? Our project is primarily about giving diagnostic information to participating colleges and universities so that they can figure out what they're doing well and where they need to improve. So institutions that participate in our survey get back pretty detailed reports that show how their students responded to the survey and how students at comparable institutions responded to the survey. So they can do some, engage in some benchmarking work. And a, a sad but true uh, reality of, of organizational existence is that if I'm a college president and my institution is going to be participating in something and the results are going to be plastered across the front page of a major newspaper, I'm going to be a lot, concern, lot more concerned about my institution looking good. 
So in the case of this survey, I might coach students to respond in a certain way. And even students themselves might develop some self-interest. If our information were to be public and it were to become the basis of a new ranking, it wouldn't take long before word got around among students that, golly, the way I respond to this survey is going to determine where my school comes out in the pecking order and arguably the, the value of my degree. Um, so these are all some reasons why it's important that we let institutions make the decision about whether to make their results public. Back to my example about the college president. If it's going to be on the front page of the newspaper, I'm incentivized to think about how to make my school look good. But if it's just for internal diagnostic purposes, then I want to know the unvarnished truth. I want to know warts and all. What are we doing well and where can we improve? Uh, and I don't have to worry about the public relations cost of not looking excellent. Alexander McCormick is the director of the National Survey of Student Engagement and a professor at the Indiana University School of Education. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a real pleasure. You can find a link to the Student Engagement Survey at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org, where you will also find more podcasts about issues in higher education and K-12. And while you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage, AmericanRadioWorks.org. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and we're on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.